You know how hard that is to tell somebody you're too old to insert thing here? Super Hyper Local Sunday with Brian Suits. But we start with breaking news from Hollywood. People stabbed. It uh, looks like we're coming to a stop out here. The door is open. This guy is getting out of the vehicle. What? Oh, he's got a gun. He's got a gun. Uh, yeah, Uh-oh. yeah, this is not going to end very well. That's why I'm voting for Eric Garcetti. Super Hyper Local Sunday with Brian Suits on KFI. KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. Also, Eric Garcetti's not going to end well either. For the 20th of May, 2019, producer Joey Morata and Josh Saylor along for the ride. Michael Chappay uh, with the news. And, uh, boy, that cougar story. Not local. Can you believe that? Not local. Out of the Pacific Northwest, out of Washington State. That That's now worldwide news. It was on BBC uh, and, and all that. I don't remember California cougar stories getting that kind of coverage. Well, was anybody killed lately? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, that's when the last one was. It's pretty rare. I'm sure it's happened. And the deal is, if you're a fan of the show Twin Peaks, and I think even the reboot of Twin Peaks, uh, it's filmed in a town called North Bend. It's found filmed actually in two towns, one that are adjacent to each other. One called Snoqualmie, which is where the hotel and the waterfall is in Twin Peaks, and the other one's called North Bend. When I used to live in Snoqualmie, and the funny thing about living in that town is you could tell where in the world Twin Peaks was being rerun. By who flooded the town in the summer? Like one the the one summer I lived there, Dutch and Japanese uh, buses full of Dutch people and Japanese would get off at Suquami and people would walk around and take pictures of absolutely everything because it was Twin Peaks, and it was just uh, east of there where, where this happened because there's logging roads all over the place. But I used to go there all the time. I used to hike all the time. But I carried a handgun with me because you know I didn't want to get at uh, bears also. And and the thing is. The handgun is more of a noisemaker. I'm not. I'm not really actually going to try to whack a mountain lion because hey, I'm a kook, and and kooks rule. But uh, but I, if you just make noise, generally if you make noise, they go away. Like if you go hiking with dogs, uh, mountain lions usually they hear you before you hear them, and they really want to avoid you. Apparently, this thing was emaciated. And when they when they are hungry like that, so it pr- means it was probably very old. So when they're in the last year or two of their life, they're unpredictable. And that's that's when it's funny. Mountain lions started coming back here in the West. Uh, I guess about twenty years ago, because I remember when when I did the morning show at Rock One Hundred Four in Modesto, um, we had a lot of missing poodles, Ooh. and there was. And keep in mind, Modesto's not way up in the Sierra Nevadas. Modesto is down in the valley. Modesto was one of those towns in the Central Valley that had fog every freaking morning and had that Thule fog. So for a mountain lion to come down into Stockton or Fresno or Bakersfield, that's kind of a big deal. But they do it. They do it and they take your poodle and sometimes they get shut. So that was a common thing uh, in the 90s there in the Central Valley. I lived there when that woman in Sacramento who was jogging was attacked and killed by a, a new mom mountain lion. She had two cubs in her den, and the mountain lion jumped on this woman who was jogging and, and killed her. And, and the woman, uh, actually, I was renting a house in Modesto from a woman who had a California zoo license, and she actually owned two mountain lions. She had a huge backyard, and I mean by that, the piece of property on her at her house, uh, behind the house, was actually very large. <laughs> And it was all covered overhead and everything. It looked like a huge bird cage with chain link fence. 
And she had two rescue mountain lions in there. And she was an expert in mountain lion biology and all this. She had a wild cat. And, and, and the deal is mountain lions were hunted to near extinction probably about 100 years ago. They started bouncing back uh, in the 70s, and they're now considered uh, n- a, a non-threatened species. But what, what people forget in Monrovia and La Cunada uh, and Acton and, and all that is that they were here before us. Um, and it's not, and, and yes, our suburbs are moving into their territory, but they not they weren't there when 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 Duarte was was laid out uh, in 1890. You, mountain lions were shoot on sight, and so they they were practically a non uh, a, a non consideration in Los Angeles for 30 or 40, 50 years, and then when they started bouncing back, then suddenly they're coming down to. Uh, Monrovia and, and and Duarte and and uh, and all that. What so. year was that woman killed in, <clears throat> up by Sacramento? I want to I want to say it was like 90, 95, 96. What, uh, El Dorado near El Dorado? Yes. Okay, yeah, that was nineteen ninety four Auburn State Recreation Area. This yeah. is according to the California Department of Fish and Wildlife. The last fatal attack, Whiting Ranch Regional Park in Orange County, just a couple years ago, right? Yeah. Female, 30 years old. Yeah. So here's the funny thing about Washington State, though it's far more rural than, than California oh. or, or Southern California. You would think mountain lions are picking kids off and dragging them into the woods left and right. No, this guy that was killed yesterday, he's only the second human being in 100 years killed by a mountain lion in Washington State. Wow. Um, uh, which and I've, I've only seen one once in the wild. Do you and, think we got more and in he, California? He, he, oh, yeah. Hell yeah. I, I think so, yeah. Um, and we even have wolves now, but, um, but yeah, along the foothills, you know, from, from, uh, you know, from Modesto and Fresno and Bakersfield, this is really common. I mean, never mind there, you know, you know, right here. And so, and we're talking about, uh, by the way, the one, what's the one that lives on the Hollywood sign? P14? P, yeah, I thought it was P14. <clears throat> P17, something like that? Yeah. That thing is ubiquitous. It's omnipresent. It, a couple of years ago, it went down into Las Feliz and it went into someone's basement. It was, it was in someone's basement all afternoon. And, nice den. And that's and there was a helicopter, you know, hovering all around it all afternoon. And it finally got out and it wandered back up in the mountains. But if you go to the Hollywood Reservoir Park, there, there, that's it's it, frequently you find the half-eaten coyotes that P seventeen leaves. Because one time we found early in the morning, one morning, me and my dogs, like six in the morning, we get up there. And there's the front half of a coyote, like from the ribs forward, and he looked like he was sleeping. And and from from the ribs back, the 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 cougar P17 had eaten it. And that's when, because there was so much strychnine or whatever the rat poison was, oh. the co- the coyotes were eating all the Hollywood rats. Um, now for for the record, my agents out in Pacific Palisades, uh, but they were eating all the Hollywood rats, and the rats, including the dead ones, so that that is a, a, there are heavy metals and rat poison that go and concentrate into the next level of predator. Mountain lions obviously are the apex predator in California, so they're they're eating the coyotes who are eating the rats. So so P seventeen was all grungy, messed up. Yeah, that's one, and they brought him back. Yeah, and so so if you want to, all I can tell you is if you want to have an interaction with a mountain lion right here in the middle of L.A. Go to Hollywood Reservoir Park. It's a de facto off-leash dog park. But go there a couple of days in a row. Walk around the edge of the park, and you'll see remnants of that what that cougar brought down there the night, the night before. And it's just right there. And it comes over the hill all the time. 
It comes, it comes right here to the edge of the Los Angeles River. Um, it's been seen at uh, Forest Lawn, at the cemetery across the street, uh, around Universal, Warner Brothers. It, it's, got a, it's got like a 20-square-mile range wow. right here in the middle of L.A. I've seen a coyote at Forest Lawn, <clears throat> Glendale, but not a mountain lion. Yeah, they're, they're, that would get my attention. They're, like they're digging up Jimmy Stewart or something. <laughs> I, I hope that doesn't happen anyway. But, but, uh, but uh, no, so there, there's your uh, interaction with the wildlife. And I'm, I'm assuming, I, haven't, I've, I checked some of the headlines, but I know in Seattle, Seattle's been overrun with hipsters who come from big towns and they think they live in some modern city or whatever, but you go, you, you leave Seattle, you go west to where I grew up or go east to the mountains. Sorry, there's no cell signal. And that's what one of the guys said. He tried to call 911. Well, you should have thought of that before you went mountain biking uh, in Cougar Town. I remember they uh, tranquilized one up in the Woodland Hills area and they uh, brought it to a, a dog pound. And some other reporters were arguing with somebody out front, and I, I went, is the cougar in there? And they go, yeah, come on back. And this thing was coming off its drugs. And it was in the back of the uh, the cage, but these eyes were just glowing, and you just heard this. And it was like, wow, that is wild. And It was like really an experience. There's a foothill suburb of Seattle called Issaquah. This is my wife was a cop, and cougars were, were always called in there. Uh, and the, I have a friend who who's uh, he he found half of his pomeranian in his backyard, oh. and he and it was like eight at night. He goes out there with a flashlight, and he looks up in the tree up above, and the other half of the pomeranian is there in the mouth of a cougar, and it's like mm, tastes like Chihuahua, you know. And he went back inside and said, oh, "Honey, it's good delivery." Yeah. So they're um, so they're all oh. all up and down the West Coast, and it's obviously it's a great indicator. They're great. They're beautiful animals. They aren't yeah, you know, unless they're eating you. Well, that's. But uh, so anyway, yeah, I, I was surprised that uh, a, a couple of guys, you know, weren't able to scare it off. Like, are you are you speculating then that it was an older one? Well, it was. They said it was emaciated, and that means that it can't uh, keep up with the deer, and that's they they don't, they don't die well, uh, and and they'll scavenge at that point. And there's the old joke about. Um, well, they got him right. You're two guys hunting in Alaska, and they hear a bear. The one guy's putting his shoes on, and the other guy says, "You're not going to outrun him." And he says, I don't have to outrun him. Right. I just have to outrun you. Because right. that one hero just <laughs> left his buddy on the trail with a coog on him. So uh, so anyway. But, uh, yeah, California leads in these attacks. So uh, Well, they got this this cougar. He's done. Yeah, too bad. Um, all right, when we come back, uh, well, I know you're all saying, who cares about the royal wedding? I know what Michael Chappé said. Who cares? That's why we had a revolution. <laughs> well, I have the exact number go. of who cares. The uh, number of Americans who watch the Royal Wedding, we have the numbers uh, coming up uh, right after this. It's Super Hyper Local Sunday. Plus, the luckiest California, the, the luckiest guy in the Valley, uh, and also what state is preparing for 400,000 Californians to uh, flee there in the event of a earthquake? Then more coming up. Super Hyper Local Sunday. Brian Suits back right after this. KFI AM640. More stimulating talk. Michael Chappé with the news. We're stimulating talking to Super April Local Sunday. Everything that happened from yeah. Santa Barbara South here in Southern California so that you can be prepared to win your Monday with uh, sports news and more. Next hour with El Sportsball Caliente. Uh, Kevin Figures from the Petros and Money Show on our sister station, which does sports down the hallway. Uh, and then um, engineer Josh, uh, uh, suspected bombs in your neck of the woods. So we'll play that story from uh, Channel 7. Uh, down the road. Earlier today, this very day, the bucolic neighborhood of Woodland Hills rocked by controlled explosions 
by the LAPD. And we'll tell you what uh, led to that. But what were what were we all doing yesterday at 4 a.m., huh? Where we were all in a tight little cluster, hugging like mice, watching the royal wedding. With your plastic tiara on. And I'll, you know what, okay. I, so I, I'm outed. I, I watched it on YouTube TV on my phone. I didn't actually get up. Live? Sit, yeah. Oh, my. I didn't get up in the couch sitting there with my underwear you know, at 4 a.m. Do you feel like you were watching history? Well, it was cool watching live stuff. It looked like a nice day over there, high noon. High noon in uh, in uh, Windsor. Uh, I'm assuming Josh uh, set an alarm and woke up and watched it. Uh, did you watch the royal wedding, Josh? For it, uh, that is a no. No, okay, that's a no. Joey Morata. I uh, I caught a few glimpses. You mean live? Uh, no, actually, it wasn't live. Oh, it was okay, in the okay. after. Okay, so no. Yeah, the, you know what? The, <laughs> there there was a famous English bar, the Cat and Fiddle, at on Hollywood Boulevard. Great place with a huge open deck and everything. But they they moved a couple years ago, like three years ago. They moved down onto Highland. It's a smaller place. BBC was live there. I didn't know this, but BBC was looking for some place in, in L.A. to to show the Colonials at the other end where uh, Meghan Markle's from, which and she's from Minglewood. And so they found an English bar, and it was the uh, the cat and fiddle. <clears throat> but meanwhile, as uh, I know, you guys all think you're very cool and cynical saying, oh, who cares about that royal wedding? Well, guess what? There's 30 million Americans who disagree with you. 29.2 million people tuned in to watch the royal wedding of Prince Harry of Wales and American actress Meghan Markle, not a whale. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. Oh. Where's that? Neil, that's, I'm sorry. I'm here at the low-hanging fruit orchard, and I'm just I'm hitting everything on my way to the exit. Um, there it is. That's more. And by the way, so 29 million Americans, and uh, correct the math, let's go up on that. It's called 30 million. Meanwhile, in Britain... Only 18 people, 18 million people watched it. What? It's their own damn royal family. Where they were out on the street doing it live? Well, I there were 100,000 people. They said they're physically watching it. Fine. There, it's a nation of 50 million. Um, and it, by the and by the way, unlike us here in LA, it's not 4 a.m. It was noon there. So it was, uh, it was uh, noon, and only 18 million watched it. 100,000 people on the street. So that's. Only but what? Just at Windsor, there were 100,000, but everyone else was doing something else. That's only one-tenth of the people that turned out for the inauguration of President I, Trump. I know. Yeah. They're probably out there binge drinking or whatever they do in Britain at noon at on a Saturday, yeah. but it was a lovely day, and they were not watching the wedding. Meanwhile, here in America and here on the West Coast, at 4 a.m., uh, well, there's 30 million of us watching. So it's bigger here. Yeah. And Maybe that, it's because we got more people. <clears throat> I guess, you know, and we're English speaking and it was an, I don't, I guess one attraction was I that. I still don't get it's it. It's American. I think the biggest attraction about it is that Harry is a celebrity. He's covered in the, in the gossip pages. He's a prince. He is a, he is a good looking chap. Son of uh, Diana. And a scalawag. <laughs> Remember a couple of years ago when he shagged that waitress from San Diego? Well. Uh, in Vegas. Was that? Yeah. I... Remember that? He was in Yuma, Arizona for his Royal Air Force <laughs> helicopter training. And he rode he he rode motorcycles to Vegas and he hooked up with some some waitress from San Diego. And uh speaking of whales, and and uh, oh, oh. I, I had yeah. And um and then he he uh he seduced and destroyed and moved on. And so um he was Frank TJ Mackey. He seduced and destroyed. Was that when he was doing <clears> the uh strip? Uh, billiards, you know what? Whatever like that. That's when he was. What wasn't he doing? <laughs> yeah. back then, yeah. I believe fireplaces were not safe around him, and uh, 
<laughs> and, and open doors. But uh, but yes, he, he's. Uh, I think the guy is. You know, he's he's a legit celebrity. And it's and at the end of the day, and I and, and you know what, I was gonna uh, our Playboy columnist Bridget Fetisy. She was talking about this. She said, "Look, you just got it. And women have to. Even the most feminist of feminists has to admit that." Girls grow up at some point dreaming of marrying a prince. And here you're seeing it for real. A, a beautiful woman from L.A. Uh, marries this this, uh, this prince chap. Um, and how can you not watch? It's not why I watched. I watched because I thought there was going to be a jet flyover. I thought, it was, oh. I thought there was going to be like an RAF flyover or something like that. But uh, no, it was, it, was, uh, it was cool. That's the thing I was wondering, too. How, how much of this is an element of like kind of living vicariously through these people? It's like it, That's a huge part of it. Yeah. Like I was saying last night, my mom was Canadian. Though my mom became an American, she, you just can't get rid of the Canadian. And my mom was obsessed with the royal family. And uh, and I think I, I would say if you watched the American coverage, they were making crap up full on. If you watched BBC America, you got deep in the weeds. And that's kind of what I wanted about why was William wearing the gold braid on his right shoulder and Harry wasn't. Well, David Muir didn't know that. David Muir thought they were a pair of cops on the beat. <laughs> so, you know, what, are they here to arrest somebody? No, no. They're dressed as officers in the Blues and Royals the Cavalry Regiment, David Muir. Um, but uh, so, uh, so anyway, that's, there's your obligatory royal wedding coverage. Uh, all, all done. They're very, very lovely. And by the way, some really catty British gossip people were comparing, uh, the, what's her name that William married a couple of years ago, 10 years ago? Um, Middleton? Uh, uh, Middleton. Kate, Kate Middleton, Middleton, right? Yeah. How uh, long ago? Wasn't it 10 years ago? My Eight years goodness. ago? Uh, they were comparing her wedding dress, and it was like form fitting. It looked like it was airbrushed on, and she's real thin. They were comparing that to, to uh, Meghan Markle's address, um, uh, wedding dress, and they were, they were scoffing, saying, well, hers isn't is hugging her body and her contours. Uh, and the whole thing. It's like, it looked a, it, it looked like Marco was a little thin for that dress. Uh, I, have look, to, I have to admit. Like, look like it, but it's like, you know what? Uh, that's why we blew your asses off this continent and exiled you to Discipline, Canada. Discipline, right. Yeah, or you have to rely on French people for your <laughs> Olympic teams. There. How about that? So, uh, All right, we'll come back right after this. Uh, bomb scare in Woodland Hills uh, making a quiet Sunday morning. A little louder. Then we're coming up in Super Hyper Local Sunday. Brian suits in here till 10 p.m. on KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. Michael should pay with the news. Super Hyper Local Sunday. Brian suits uh, here until 10. I was going to do this. KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk into Super Hyper Local Sunday. But uh, that's uh, that was until I stepped all over the uh, the uh, the ID. Well, Josh, you know, I don't know of a more enthusiastic ambassador for Woodland Hills. So congratulations there. Thank you, Suits. Um, and uh, am, am I right? Does, does, where does, the boss lives in your neck of the woods, right? Uh, I or think she lives west. a little further west. Well, she speaks highly of the, of the area. I know your producer is from where I currently live. Oh, so you both uh, vouch for Woodland Hills. This well, is very true. Were, where were you this morning at 10.30 a.m. when the LAPD bomb squad was doing controlled explosions? I was at my house in West Hills. Certainly an unusual. Well, Leanne Souter was out there. Did you did you get a piece of that? Did you check her out from our uh, partners down the street, Channel 7? Uh, I forgot their call letters, but Leanne Souter was out there because a, uh, a suspected stolen car had what uh, officers uh, thought were, well, it turns out to be a stolen car, 
had suspected explosive devices in the vehicle. Certainly an unusual scene here in this quiet Woodland Hills neighborhood. You can see live behind me here, this area remains shut down. The LAPD bomb squad detonating several possible explosives found in a stolen car. Just take a look. This was the scene. You can see the smoke rising after officers detonated at least. So they had the, they had the robot out there. They had the little tracked uh, like mini, looks like a tank with a crane uh, there. And they they pulled the suspected devices out of the car, and they had these little set-up ballistic blankets, like little tents, and they put the devices in the ballistic blankets, and then they uh, they blew them up. And uh, But, I, I mean, heads up to LAPD. Next time, wait till Channel 7 gets there. <laughs> One possible device. All of this unfolding here just south of the eastbound 101 near Fallbrook Avenue here in Woodland Hills. It all started when LAPD officers spotted a stolen vehicle around 1030 this morning. They stopped the suspect on Rigoletto at Avenue San, Lu San Luis here in Woodland Hills. They took him into custody. Do you know that area, Josh or uh, Joey Murata? Can you vouch for it? Is it a, is it a nice, quiet area? Uh, yeah, it's around Ventura Boulevard, so it's a nice, quiet area. Has it been rocked by uh, the shocking incident this morning? That I can't vouch for because I haven't been in that part of Woodland Hills. You haven't been morning. able to get the pulse of uh, of, uh, of the people? I haven't worked that out yet. Uh, well, let's get back to the controlled detonation. But when they went to search the car, that's when they found suspicious devices inside, possible explosives. The bomb spot has been called out to investigate. Police knocked on our door because they had pulled it. This is a uh, local resident. Uh, he looks like a, a, a spiffing enough chap. He's wearing a red T-shirt and he's holding a chihuahua. Do you know the guy? I don't think I know the guy. Car over that they uh, felt was stolen in front of our house. Felt. They knew it was stolen. House up on Rigoletto Street. And uh, they, in clearing things out, uh, discovered what they thought was possibly a bomb. So they ask for all the neighbors on the street to evacuate. Well, I love they go to a layman. Well, they thought it. They thought it was stolen, and what what they thought was a bomb was it? Was it no no spokesman was out there to say the vehicle came back as stolen, and we determined that it looked like it was an explosive device. But go to the guy with the chihuahua. Yeah, so that, that street has been cleared out because of the potential danger. The rest of the neighborhood here shut down, traffic diverted as authorities try to figure out exactly what is happening. Neighbors say they've heard two explosions so far, two detonations. Authorities still trying to figure out exactly what is inside that vehicle. Authorities say the car is packed with all kinds of items. That bomb squad doing a very slow and methodical search through everything. So that's a lot of crap to blow up. So they're at, so you didn't hear anything. This is like 1030 in the morning. And they did at least two explosions. And then they said the car was uh, was packed. So who knows? Maybe they're still out there blowing stuff up. I, I honestly never heard the specifics. The only thing I heard is that the Fallbrook exit was shut down completely. And it seemed like more than traffic. And, 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 that's, that, and I was like, something else is going on. And then I found out later this. It's been I closed know. for hours. Uh, yeah. yeah. And I, I don't know what the all clear is. Did, what, did they just keep going back to this guy's car, pulling his stuff out and blowing it's it up? Blow this up. <laughs> it's like, you know, like, oh, I was hearing bombs. No, you weren't hearing bombs. You were hearing them sympathetically detonate what they thought were bombs because that's what you do you get a what you think is a bomb out and you use uh, your own explosive sandbag device. it yeah then you, you shoot it with a shotgun or, or or whatever but it's like 
they did this all day, apparently, because I can't find if there's an all clear or if it's uh, still there. See what exactly is inside. Back live now again. They expect this area to be shut down for some time as they try to determine exactly what is inside that vehicle. But it you know what time it is right now, Josh? Some time. Oh, I was like, I could actually answer that. I'm looking right at the time. So that so that started at 1030, and she said it was going to go on for some time. And I'm, I'm going to... What exactly is inside? Back live now again. They expect this area to be shut down for some time. And I believe with the Pacific, uh, with the daylight savings time, I think some time is not until like 11. So, uh, so we'll see. But anyway, they're blowing stuff up there in Woodland Hills. So there's your, there's your perfect neighborhood there, buddy. Still love it. Buddy boy. Uh, all right. Uh, we'll uh, take a break. When we come back. The, uh, the luckiest guy in Southern California, at least over the last couple months, um, is, um, well, he plays the lottery. And he knows something we don't know. Uh, and also, what state is planning for all of us to move there after the, the, uh, the big earthquake? And um, <clears throat> electrocuted, stealing copper. Remember those stories from seven, eight years ago? We had, it's flashback weekend. We had a guy... Well, I'll tell you about it when we come back right after this. Um, stealing copper for one final time. That and more coming up. It is Super Hyper Local Sunday. Brian Suits in here until 10 p.m. KFI, AM 640. More stimulating talk. Michael Chappay with the news. KFI, AM 640. More stimulating talk. It is Super Hyper Local Sunday. And uh, Murder Hour is... Next, and violent murder, gunshot, homicide hour is uh, hour number two. Also, we'll check in with uh, El Sportsball Caliente and uh, and continue our sports outreach to our great Hispanic audience with some hockey news. And uh, Kevin Figures will join us uh, with that. Well, uh, as you just randomly Google it, let's let's take you back to 2014. San Dimas City Hall, 300-pound bronze frog statue stolen from San Dimas City Hall. Uh, then as, as um, and I believe there's copper and bronze. Isn't bronze, copper, and iron? I forgot. Anyway, uh, as you recall, about eight years ago when the Great Recession was happening, there were copper heists from all around uh, the Southland. And it was a, there was a, a, a gold miner statue stolen, the whole thing. It was a very common thing. And, uh, but there was some sort of a rule of thumb. And this goes for all of you copper thieves, by the way. Don't touch the live wires. Because we had a real flashback um, this, uh, this weekend on uh, Friday night. A man suspected of trying to steal copper was electrocuted Friday night in South L.A. The fatality, fatality was uh, chimed in around 7.25 p.m. East 25th Street near Long Beach, according to Brian Humphrey of the Los Angeles Fire Department, the victim was found dead at the scene on ground level near some electrical equipment. Um, the location—it's not funny, and that's why I'm not laughing. But the location is in an industrial area near the Metro Blue Line. Authorities suspect the man broke into a 4.8 kilovolt customer station, uh, described as electrical distribution equipment that would service a residence or small business, and was electrocuted while trying to steal copper. That uh, that stuff is all—it's uh, all powered up. That low vibrating hum that you can feel in your chest that indicates that it's live, uh, and so and also the the dead people don't always grab onto the wires. Depends on what they were using. Sometimes though they do grab onto the wires and they'll hang there until the fire department uh, shows up. 
but they'll, they, in their last moments, their muscles contract, and they will hang onto the wires. It's really gross. It's like Green Mile. Now, isn't that what copper is typically used for to conduct electricity? It's uh, extraordinarily efficient. It's yeah. efficient and cheap. Platinum, of course, is the most efficient, but that's really expensive. I thought gold was. Platinum's even more efficient. I, I thought it was. But those are both I'll precious metals, yeah, and obviously, you don't, you know, except for very, uh, very specified. Silver's uh, supposed uses. to be pretty good, too. Yeah. And, and so, and our phones are filled with it. But to transmit um, electricity from the Hetch Hetchy Reservoir or wherever it's generated, um, yes, we use uh, copper. But copper, and the, the deal was, copper became, had a spike in price about eight years ago. Literally, uh, there's more, copper uh, was worth more than a penny. For a penny, except the new pennies are like 80% zinc. Um, but the old pennies, if you can get a hold of the old pennies, their weight was worth more than their value about eight years ago. So all kinds of meth heads were were horking statues and things like that a couple of years ago. Then they were taking them to scrap dealers who would melt them down really quickly. But And I forgot what the – if someone can remind me – um, on uh, uh, about the uh, the the gold miner statue, I forgot whatever happened with that. But there was there was a rash of this. San Dimas, Duarte, all this um, people stealing statues and then taking them to scrap dealers. And these apparently the scrap dealing industry is filled with uh, scofflaws. And uh, and their their primary interest was not the the uh, the heritage of San Dimas. And the 300-pound leaping frog, but rather uh, uh, buying cheap copper. Wow, it was 300 pounds they got away with that? Yeah. It doesn't even look like that big of a frog, but it's bronze. And so, um, uh, and, and uh, you know what? This was 2014. I don't know whatever happened. What what city was that? Was it this a, was the San Dimas. Was leaping... it a swamp at one point? Why is a frog in the city hall? I don't know. It's a statue of two boys reaching for a frog. Oh. And rather inappropriately, one boy's right behind the other boy, and he's grabbing his shorts like a motorcycle handlebar. Uh, and so you look at it at the wrong angle, and uh, it's uh, it, it could be the uh, copper tone moment. Yeah, I don't know, Vatican City, uh, something. What? <laughs> and so uh, so anyway, th- these have gone away for a couple of years, but now you got a guy who gave his life to steal copper. So <clears throat> that's kind not, of sad. Not a good call. Yeah, no, ab- absolutely. And I'm I'm spare. I just want to point out. Just so everyone understands what sort of a bullet they just dodged, I'm sparing everyone a really gross story um, that I'm not going to tell about oh, one, on. about something that happened in Baghdad because that was a, this is a very Baghdad death to be stealing copper and then hanging from the wires. But I won't get into it. Um, a UC Santa Barbara student probably lucky to be alive after falling 15 feet from the roof of a home Sunday morning. By Sunday morning, I don't mean bomb time in Woodland Hills. I mean 1:30 a.m. Which, if you're still on the same drunk, that's called Saturday night. Deputies, fire personnel, and medics arrived. Uh, Camino del Sur in Isla Vista, 1.30 a.m., a 20-year-old male student unconscious. Witnesses told police that he was standing on the roof of a home when he accidentally stepped off the edge. Which is what an amazingly unpredictable accident when you're on the roof of a home. Uh, the student was apparently trying to take a photo with a group of friends and didn't realize he was so close to the edge. The student's being treated for injuries. Police believe the fall was accidental, but that alcohol, quote, may have been a contributing factor. So uh, they're, they're, uh, they're on it. Um, they're, uh, next hour, we'll tell you about this, uh, this really weird thing that unfolded in Riverside. Um, surrounded by police, non-lethal measures used, man with a knife. Uh, his move was uh, not exactly in the book, not exactly in the manual, how, the way he, he opted to end this one. 
the luckiest guy in the valley is Van Nuys, very own Antulio Mazariegos. Why is he the luckiest guy? He's a lucky lottery player from SoCal. He's won more than $6 million in prizes in the past six months. One worth a staggering $5 million. Uh, another worth a, to be honest, staggering $1 million. <laughs> so there's that. I'll be staggered. Don't worry. I'm staggered. If 1000 bucks will stagger me. 500 bucks will stagger me. Anyway, he purchased a winning ticket. He It was a Scratchers. I didn't know Scratchers went to $5 million. But for, for one scratcher? I guess. It says California Lottery's Van Nuys District Office, uh, the uh, VNDO. Uh, he, he came there with a $5 million winning scratchers ticket. He had purchased the winning ticket at Liquor Bank, located at 16925 Van Owen Street in Van Nuys. Uh, according to California Lottery News, he explained there were only three remaining California black premium scratchers left at the location. That is not a, a kind of squirrel, by the way. Uh, he decided to buy them all of the California Black Premium Scratchers. It was not the only winning ticket. The longtime lottery player was holding. Uh, during the same visit, he also turned in two other tickets worth 1600 So he's, who hangs on to a $1,000 ticket? But uh, anyway, $5 million scratcher. Yeah, because he already won a mill earlier, didn't he? Yeah. So, yeah. That's so he's sitting there lighting cigars with $100 bills. <laughs> yeah. uh, and saying, ah, oh, what the hell? So anyway, what? that's Okay, you got a million dollars. What are you doing in Van Nuys? I don't know. He's the king of Van Nuys. What aren't you doing in Van Nuys, if you know what I'm saying? All right, when we come back, uh, the crime blotter for Super Hyper Local Sunday will commence here at the top of the hour. Hour number two of Super Hyper Local Sunday, including a sports break, mandatory sports break, and the rest coming up. KFI AM 640, more stimulating talk. Just touch the meat, all right? Or take a Ziploc bag, put your hand in it, handle your meat, and then throw the Ziploc bag away. Super Hyper Local Sunday with Brian Suits. Well, we start with breaking news from Hollywood. People stabbed. It uh, looks like we're coming to a stop out here. The door is open. This guy is getting out of the vehicle. What? Oh, he's got a gun. He has got a gun. Uh, yeah, yeah, this is not going to end very well. That's why I'm voting for Eric Garcetti. Super Hyper Local Sunday with Brian Suits on KFI. KFI AM 640 more stimulating talk. It is Super Hyper Local Sunday, hour number two. Uh, a little later on, John Chung, former California Comptroller. I got to give him credit for the weekend. I think he wins the weekend in political ads because uh, his the first thirty seconds of his ad are are just nailing Via Ragosa for all this stuff. And at one point, I'll, I'll play I'll play the ad a little later on because it's it's great. It's 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 really really good. And most people, unless you read the news, unless you're a huge news hound, you don't even you don't even remember that John Chung was the, the one guy in Sacramento, apparently, who could do math, which I always felt was a, there was a racial component to that. But uh, regardless, um, so this is always a bad scene. I, I think uh, people who, uh, those of you out there contemplating suicide, but you can't do it yourself and you want to make some, some cop do it for you, you really are a dirtbag. A distraught man who was inside a Riverside Stater Brothers with a knife stabbed himself outside the store earlier today Officers tried to negotiate with the guy who was uh, talking openly about suicide by cop, which I, I'm not sure. I think it was invented here. I'm, I'm sure somewhere in America some guy did it a uh, hundred years ago. Seamus O'Leary in Boston or something did it. But I just know that I, I've never lived anywhere in the United States where it, it happens more than here. And it happens several times a year. Uh, officers used non-lethal sponge rounds when the man advanced on one officer. So here's the thing. Guy has a knife. 
um, it, it, uh, cops are trained and most police departments have rules of engagement that allow, because if people don't know this, a knife can defeat a bulletproof vest. Lots of people don't know that. Why do cops with guns shoot guys with knives? Because a knife can kill the cop with a gun. And a guy with a knife, if you let him within 10 feet of you, um, he can get to you before you can pull the trigger. So that is generally accepted in most police department and uh, sheriff's departments around the country, that you keep your car between the guy with the knife uh, and uh, and yourself. Uh, you you bring the suicide counselors, the whole thing, bring a fire hose, whatever. You try to use non-lethal on the guy, uh, but uh, you don't let him within 10 feet of yourself. Anyway, earlier today, officers used the non-lethal sponge rounds you're supposed to be stunned by those. It's supposed, it's supposed to hit you in the legs of the chest, and they're so, supposed to have an effect that they had no effect. Um, uh, he so he still has the knife. They tried a taser on the unidentified man. He still refused to surrender the knife. This is according to uh, Riverside PD uh, officer and spokesman Ryan Railsback. When the man began at that point, you have a knife and you're advancing on cops, and they're shooting you with sponge rounds. Then you have a knife and you're advancing on cops and they tase you and you still don't drop the knife. In a lot of departments in the U.S., um, they're going to shoot you, but they didn't. So then he began st- – and by the way, in, there's not one department in America that shoots to wound. There's not one department, sheriff's department, police department, state police. Nowhere in America do they train anyone to ever shoot to wound, shoot someone in the leg like Dick Tracy used to do or shoot the gun out of their hand or the knife out of their hand. No department does that. Why? Because of liability. Um, because if you're if you have a use of force that requires you to uh, use a gun for non-lethal force before you can use it for lethal force, you're going to lose a cop one day, and that cop's widow or widower is going to sue your department. So that's why in America, um, it uh, before it's hands-on, uh, it's uh, it's taser before nightstick. By the way, uh, for a lot of people that don't know that. Uh, before you ever are going to get a mahogany shampoo from a cop, you're going to be tased. If the taser doesn't work, then they might escalate to mahogany shampoo. But nightstick comes after taser. A lot of people don't know that. Um, after mahogany shampoo, <clears throat> if you still are presenting a, uh, a, a danger to life and limb, like you have a knife, then you're going to be shot, usually. Well, this guy didn't get shot. So he's frustrated. He wants to commit suicide by cop. He starts stabbing himself in the neck. Uh, at that point, he was stopped and disarmed when police rushed him. Uh, several officers ended up taking him down to the ground in order to prevent him from further harm or danger. Uh, the taser darts and wires are launched by a gunpowder charge, and the sound could have made bystanders mistake it for gunfire, uh, said Officer Railsback. Uh, some social media posts initially said that uh, it was an officer-involved shooting. It was not. No other injuries were reported. The guy's in serious condition in a hospital. Uh, in an ICU because, you know, he stabbed himself in the neck. So uh, hats off to Riverside PD. So And Mayor Rusty down there, a friend of KFI. But uh, this this could have wound up any other way. I mean, one other way, one specific other way. But uh, so so good for Riverside PD. And also, again, I really, listen, if you want to commit suicide, and, I, and I, it's not my job to talk you out of it, maybe if you should call whoever's job it is. But if you're going to do that, the whole getting a cop to kill you, you know, then that cop has to live with your dumb ass for the rest of his life, his or her life. So just man up and do it yourself. Well, he couldn't even do it with a knife. I know. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm assuming he stabbed instead of uh, 
sliced. You have the jugular right there. Uh, I mean, if you want to do it, do it. Uh, or put the point in your sternum and fall forward like you're doing a push-up. You know, try that one. You know, or go f- go to Mount Rushmore and jump off of Jefferson. Something. Did they even talk <clears throat> about what his gripe was? No. I, no. My, uh, uh, I'm trying to remember when the last one was. But they're they're always suspected because you know when when officers show up and a guy with a knife rushes police, you're you're effectively committing suicide. Uh, and and there has to be a conscious decision that that's what, that's what you're doing, or or so it would seem. Um, a uh, man sitting in a car in Santa Ana shot and killed. Authorities are investigating why a young man was shot and killed uh, in Santa Ana early Saturday morning. Brian Stubing, a 20-year-old, was shot uh, shortly before 4 a.m. on the 3100 block of South Main, transported to Orange County Global Medical Center where he died. Santa Ana police said a gunman walked up to the rear of the car Fired several times before taking uh, taking off. Stubing's grandfather described him as a caring person. He was planning to celebrate his 21st birthday next month. Police say they don't know, don't yet have any description of the suspect, but believe that the shooting is gang related. And an investigation was ongoing. So um, Stubing doesn't exactly sound like the kind of name that you normally associate with Santa Ana gangs. So it might have been an initiation uh, because that is when they do it. When they were. When, when some of the gangs were shooting black motorists driving alone, uh, uh, shooting them at off-ramps, um, uh, it was always at 3 and 4 a.m. So that there were no witnesses and there was always a one occupant of the car. So that, uh, that is an indicator. I'm guessing Santa Ana police know a hell of a lot more than, uh, than I do about this. Um, another guy, this one shot in the face, is alive, driving a Porsche in South L.A. Saturday morning, uh, a Porsche SUV, a Cayenne. Uh, near 74th and Main around 2 a.m., um, his vehicle was fired upon. The unidentified man was struck in the face and legs, transported to a nearby hospital, his condition not immediately known. L.A. police say it's unclear if the victim was the intended to target and if the shooting was gang-related. Information on a suspect or suspects was not released because you know why? Nobody saw nothing. Uh, all right, when we come back, a guy shot in Pomona. Um, then uh, has to save his life by crashing into other people's cars. We'll uh, talk about that right after this. And then sports with Kevin Figures, El Sports Ball Caliente here at the bottom of the hour. It is Super Hyper Local Sunday. Brian suits in here until 10 p.m. KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. Michael Chappé with the news. Forty more stimulating talk and it's super right for local Sunday. Brian suits in here until 10 p.m. and uh, we will have time to uh, tonight to talk about uh, the movies and have you seen a couch and that uh, I saw Deadpool too. So we'll uh, we will get to that. Also, tragedy near tragedy averted in uh, a San Bernardino bar um, and it uh, with a with a tie-in to to school shootings, and I'll tell you what that is uh, here in a second. But that's a really interesting story. Yeah, we really were just saw that. Um, uh, Pomona was the scene earlier today, two p.m. I, I I have to admit a bit of ignorance about what's going on in Pomona, but I sure see a lot of stuff uh, and people shooting back at the cops in Pomona. So it uh, doesn't exactly come across as uh, say a Woodland Hills. Uh, a man was shot while driving and proceeded to crash into several cars in Pomona. Uh, Channel 4, NBC4 was overhead. They got some footage in the aftermath. There was de- debris all over the place. A motorist was shot, and his car crashed into several uh, several parked vehicles. This is 2 p.m. on Cordova Street in Pomona. 
Investigators say the victim was driving south on Cordova when he was shot in the chest, causing him to lose control of his car and slam into parked vehicles on Elysian Avenue. Police found the unidentified man slumped over the steering wheel. They transported him to a hospital. His condition was not known. A motive for the attack was unknown. No suspect information was available. Uh, so we don't know the nature of the of the round or whatever, but it, it sure seems like a super lucky shot. It seems like the kind of thing that uh, seems almost intentional. Um, and so, and, and I don't know, I guess we can check on his condition, but this is 2 p.m. The condition was uh, unknown. Well, <clears throat> this happened uh, today, San Bernardino. A bar employee and an off-duty San Bernardino County Sheriff's deputy wrestled an AR-15-style semi-automatic rifle and a loaded 30-round magazine from a drunk man at a downtown Redlands bar early Sunday morning to help avoid what might likely might have turned into a tragedy. Eventually, police uh, arrived, arrested 36-year-old Gilbert Ariano uh, III uh, for attempted assault with a deadly weapon. The press release from Redlands PD stated that Ariano had reportedly already been drinking at a birthday party on Saturday night before going to the district, another bar, where he continued to drink alcoholic beverages. Uh, at the district, Ariano got into an altercation with another unidentified patron or other unidentified patrons before leaving the bar, going home to grab his AR. Uh, and, and this is what uh, Channel 4 said, to grab the high-powered controversial weapon. Ariano uh, allegedly confronted three people in a parking lot, pointed the gun at one of them in a threatening manner before walking into the district, <clears throat> the name of the bar, at this point, an employee at the bar stopped the suspect and heroically attempted to take the rifle away from the intoxicated man. At this time, an off-duty San Bernardino uh, sheriff's deputy learned there was an armed man in the building, came to assist. The deputy disarmed Ariano before restraining him and awaiting for support from Redlands PD. In addition, police determined the suspect had other weapons registered. So they served a warrant on his home, confiscated those. So uh, good for them. I mean, yeah, if the guy is so messed up. And it was loaded, 30-round mag. I, I, and which, by the way, is a felony in uh, California. Having it's a felony. Loading it's a felony. It's and having oh, the weapons yeah. a felony. This, this guy, uh, it had a, he had a 10-year night. In, in just a couple hours of drinking, he bought himself a decade. Um, and so, uh, but yeah, I mean, just, just imagine the story we would have woken up to. Right. So good for that bartender. Uh, and uh, and and good for that uh, that deputy. They're lucky. I, I think a lot of people are lucky that this guy didn't you know go in shooting first. Yeah, and and I don't know what this guy's anger management issue is, but man, I got to say, I've never been so mad and so drunk that I got home, and and said I have two options here: go to bed, sleep it off, or go grab my AR-15, go back to the bar, and just absolutely end maybe thirty people's lives or or whatever. And then, uh, so who knows? This guy clearly has problems. So the grandfathered uh, thirty-round mag that went away in January. Yes, okay. and nobody can have that. No, uh, so they're red. That's called an ex post facto law, and it should be unconstitutional. But the uh, NRA doesn't fly lawyers out here to California the way that we would like them to. But uh, so anyway, yeah, this is I. I will. I will grant th this could have been a, a horrendous situation today. So good for them. Um, so, uh, earthquake in the future of SoCal, uh, obviously the other states around us have to make plans because the assumption is if there's a major earthquake in Southern California or Northern California, that there would be hundreds of thousands of refugees. Now I, I gotta say, I push back on that because I think that our infrastructure is really vulnerable and you would not just be loading up the family truckster and, and heading out, uh, unless there were untouched 
freeways, but I think most people would not leave behind um, their their house. Uh, but the other states surrounding us can't plan that way. They have to assume that a lot of Californians are going to haul ass in the aftermath of a large earthquake. So that is why Arizona is going to participate in an exercise to practice how the state of Arizona would respond to 400,000 people migrating to the Valley of the Sun following a catastrophic earthquake in Southern California. I don't think we'd get past Vegas, to be perfectly honest. Uh, The Arizona Department of Emergency and uh, Military Affairs, or the ADEMA, uh, participates in the National Mass Care Exercise in the coming week. Uh, Planning has been underway for nearly a year. The State Emergency Operations Center in Phoenix along with many uh, county, tribal, and municipal emergency operation centers will activate during the exercise. So this is what the assumption is that there's a giant earthquake in Southern California and that we disperse. And, and, and so, the way, I mean, the, the way it works is 39 million, 40 million people in California in 59 million, probably 59 counties. There's 19 million people below Santa Barbara. And I can see this. If, if the earthquake was large enough and damage went from San Diego to Santa Barbara, there probably would be a lot of people, uh, probably middle class or more affluent, who might live in outlying or rural areas and would want to get away. But I just don't think people around here, having been here for the L.A. riots and the Northridge earthquake, uh, which granted that's a scale model of a large earthquake, I, I just don't sense that – uh, people would be leaving unless there were, as I've always predicted, marauding gangs of looters, which is what happened before sundown at the Rodney King riots. Right, and with social media, it's different now. Yeah. Both those events <clears throat> didn't happen with what we've got, Twitter and all that now. But you know what you need for social media? Electricity. Ooh. The interwebs. Um, so, yeah. I, and also, I got I to tell you, this is here. here's a new thing that no one thought of yet. The state emergency management haven't thought, thought of this. But in the hours after a major earthquake in Southern California... There will be hundreds of thousands of people freaking out because of their inability to access social media and information. Um, well, and if anything, to alert loved ones that they're alive. Yeah, yeah. and you know, there's people that don't own AM radios, um, and so the, we're going to be the only thing up. Battery powered. Right? Uh, yeah, and and so there will be people absolutely freaking out and panicking, even though if the earthquake comes and goes, and there's not widespread fires. Uh, and all that, and there's minimal aftershocks, and you did the smart thing, and you filled up your bathtub when you felt the first shake, and you have water, you got food, and all that. There, people are going to sit around, and they're going to hear something they haven't heard in decades, and it's called silence. And they're not going to, their phone's not going to be buzzing. There's going to be zero bars, you know, the whole thing. That's that's going to be the mental health breakdown. That's going to have people panicking. But I just, I, uh, I, unless you know that there's a highway out. I just don't see people leaving their stuff behind and and getting out. And and I mean to be honest, you know, if you if you think about it, you've got PCH 101 through Malibu, you have uh, if you can get through uh, up in Silmar through the Newhall Pass where three major freeways merge into one where the 210 the 5 and the 405 become the 5 historic gridlock. And yeah, and on without an earthquake so if you think you're going through there, you got another thing coming. If you know the back way through Little Tahunga, good luck there. Uh, you know, so so we actually are in a bowl. I'll meet you at the marina. Yeah, that's yeah. the way to get out. I'm calling a helicopter. Oh no! But then again, I have a well. I got a well, and I got guns. I got I got forty chickens. I got a well. <laughs> we got guns. 
So you can. I'll give you my address. You can. You can if you can make it. If you can make it, you can. You can. Uh, you can come there. Uh, all right. We'll be back right after this with uh, El Sportsball Caliente, Kevin Figures from KLAC, the Petros and Money Show. will give us the weekend in sports and what to know next in uh, the NBA. That and more coming up. Super Hyper Local Sunday on KFI AM six forty. AM six forty. More stimulating talk. Michael Chappé with the news. KFI AM 640, more stimulating talk. It is Super Hyper Local Sunday, and that music means only one thing. That El Sportsball Caliente, Kevin Figures from the FNA podcast, and Petro Simoni down the hall at KLAC AM 570, your Doyer station, uh, joins us. So here he is. Let, you know, obviously, we have to start with this. What was your favorite royal wedding moment? Uh, the ending. How about that? Tri- I did not see a single second of the royal wedding. But she's from Inglewood. I, and congratulations to her. I know she's an actress and all that. I'm not really big into weddings, you know, when it comes to that sort of thing. The big, the best thing about weddings are open is the open bar. I'll say that. Yeah, I'm guessing they had that. Um, that would be nice. Well, there, there's a pretty heavy hitters at the wedding. I did see that. I saw Oprah in her giant hat. No celebrities all over the place. But generally speaking, not really my speed there, Brian. Did you have a highlight from the wedding? You know what mine was? When they were saying the Lord's Prayer, right, and BBC mm. was scanning the crowd. And you know the actor Tom Hardy? Yes. Pretty ominous guy, right? Mm, yeah. They, they isolated on him. He's got a shaven head for some movie role, and he was slowly mouthing the Lord's Prayer, and it looked like he was 30 seconds from killing you. <laughs> yeah, I, thought, that's... I thought that was cool. Yeah. Uh, all right, let, let's start with, um, with things people in L.A. care about, and because no one from L.A. is in the NHL Finals, no one from L.A. is in the NBA Finals, but well, the Doyers uh, apparently have turned it around, and uh, what the, what in the darn heck fire happened in uh, Washington D.C. this weekend? Well, they got themselves uh, on fire. They won four in a row after doing uh, after a six game uh, losing streak uh, to the Padres and a couple of other bottom feeders, the Miami Marlins of all teams. They got a victory before they left town there. Uh, but going to Washington, and playing a quality team, and getting wins against an opponent that good, where the bats finally woke up. By the way, their bats have been ice cold. And this is a crazy stat that I wasn't even aware of myself. But up until today, or the last couple of days, they hit 17 consecutive solo home runs. That means nobody was on base. You'd have to, you had, couldn't try to do something like that. It's amazing that you get guys on base. Their on-base percentage was horrible. They were batting terribly with men in scoring position. And they finally had an opportunity to turn it around, and they did against a pretty quality opponent in the Nationals these last couple of days. So things are on the upswing for the Dodgers. And that's now. weird because solo home runs have been a theme. Remember early in the season, what's-his-name had two nights in a row solo walk-off home runs. Right, right. That did happen. That did happen. So and they so are, they it, are, they're a team of individuals this year. They really are. I mean, and that's the thing that they've kind of gotten away from. Like the, the hitting, they always say, is contagious, or playing well is contagious. Well, playing poorly can be too. And so you needed a guy to be able to kind of pick you up a little bit, and that's what the infusion of Justin Turner has done. Many of us have said that one guy can't turn everything around, but I think what we've seen, especially offensively, just having his presence in the lineup, you know, give us everybody a bit of a kick in the butt. Give yeah. us some extra confidence. E- either that and or they need, to, they need to, to start three hours earlier than normal West Coast times. Maybe that's what it is, too. You know, I, Clayton Kershaw saw big on the game starting at 7-10. Maybe they should start at 4-10, and uh, maybe they'll play a little bit better. So then they're flying from D.C., I'm, I'm assuming an hour after the game is done. Their first pitch is tomorrow night, Doyer Stadium. The Rockies are in town. It's a 7 o'clock start. 
Yeah. Uh, the, the Rockies have been here on the West Coast. I don't know. Is that uh, going to factor? Uh, I don't think it'll factor too much. The, the fact that they played a day game today and they were able to get out of there um, early enough in the afternoon, it's not going to affect them too much. Now, the, the crazy part would have been, and I guess from a players' association standpoint, they wouldn't have allowed it, but they rained out the game on uh, Thursday. Uh, or on Friday, excuse me. So they had to play a doubleheader yesterday in the midst of the bad weather in Washington. So if they would have had to try to force a doubleheader in today and then have travel on top of that, that would have made things a little bit tougher. But these guys fly in charter planes. You know, they left yeah. early in the afternoon. They'll be fine, trust me. These guys get paid a lot of money. They'll be okay. And um, we don't broadcast the Angels, but Shohei Otani had uh, nine strikeouts, and uh, and they won, so there's that. So that yes, happened. And he, and he pitched very well. That did happen for uh, all of the Angel fans that saw it. The unlikely thing happened. The Las Vegas Golden Knights are in the NHL Stanley Cup Finals. And are you feeling any interest in L.A. for that team? Uh, from L.A. for oh, for the Golden Knights in Las Vegas? Yeah. I know a lot of people. I know a lot of people that go do Vegas for the weekend. They'll catch, they're During the regular season, they were catching their games when they right. were in, in Vegas. But uh, I don't know. Does anyone Maybe. care? One of those things to experience if you say, hey, we're going to Vegas, and by the way, the Golden Knights are playing tonight, hey, why not roll in? The problem is, as an expansion team this year, you would have thought that they were just a, you know, they're going to be a solid team, put on a decent show or whatnot, but nobody expected them to actually make it to the Stanley Cup Finals in their first year in existence. That's pretty damn impressive. So the ticket might not be as easy to come by next year as it was this year. Yeah, it was, remember a couple of weeks ago, it was 20-1 to 1 for them to make the Stanley Cup, 9-1 to 1 for them not to. So right. if, if you got that long shot, you could cover with uh, the short shot. So Yeah, 500 to 1 in some books for them to win the entire thing, which is not out of the realm of possibility. Uh, all right, so if the, if the NHL is basketball for white guys, then the NBA is hockey, hockey for, for everyone else. So the, the NBA, uh, the Warriors look great. Yep. I mean, it was, a, it was 126 to 85 up north. They're up 2 to 1. Uh, and I mean, it was it was a boring. Game. The first ten minutes were pretty fun. Yeah, the first ten minutes were actually competitive or semi-competitive for a minute, uh, and then the Warriors said, "Hold up, we're the Warriors. We're at home." Steph Curry uh, woke up after not playing as well the first couple of games, especially in Game Two, and he just lit it up. He was, you know, people were questioning whether or not he was healthy or whether or not he had lost a touch or if he was rusty, and maybe he was rusty. He missed thirty games towards the end of the regular season, but. Um, no, no ill effects today. And the Warriors showed and they proved when they want to, when they decide that they're engaged and they want to come out and play, especially play defense the way that they can play it, nobody can stop them, even an offense as potent as Houston is. I mean, you hold Houston to 85 points. That's unheard of. That's ridiculous. As great of an offensive team as Houston has been this season, that just tells you how good the Golden State Warriors are and can be when they decide to lock in. And the um, the Cavaliers uh, destroyed the Celtics by 30 points. But uh, tomorrow night, 530, is uh, game four. Game four, by the way, do you agree with me? In the seven-game series, game four is, by default, the most important game of the entire series. Because <laughs> because you might win 4-0. Uh, or yeah. if you're winning 2-1, you either lose and tie it up and, and screw yourself out of a great advantage or you go up 3 to 1 and you now have a 96% chance of winning at 3 to 1. Right. Very true. I I still say people the, the the saying has always been pivotal game 5, especially when a series is tied 2-2 because somebody goes up 3 games to 2. But I understand your logic in that thinking too if you the, the mental edge that you have over a team if you can go up 3 games to 1 knowing that you have that in your back pocket. But 3 to 1, although the odds are heavily in your favor, 
you know, just ask the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Golden State Warriors. It's not impossible to overcome a deficit like that. Uh, so I would still, for me, game five, especially in a 2-2 series, still uh, the most important one for me, but I definitely understand where you're coming from. But doesn't this, this Cleveland-Boston series have seven games written all over it? It does. Uh, you can see, you yeah. see Boston winning their home games, Cleveland winning their home games, and then it comes down to the best player in the world taking on a team of, of young guys, upstarts, who have an opportunity to go to the NBA Finals when nobody expected them to be there, especially when their two best players are hurt and not even part of this playoff run. Yep, and then, uh, of course, the most important, and we're bearing the lead, Johnny Manziel signs a two-year contract with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the uh, CFL. Let me tell you, there's never been this much interest, or there won't be as much interest in the CFL as there will be now with Johnny Manziel. You'll want, whenever his first start is the four-letter network, Fox Sports 1, somebody's picking this thing up, and it's going to get a lot of major headlines. People are going to be really interested to see how Johnny Manziel looks on a football field because, again, we so want to remember how well he played at Texas A&M, winning the Heisman Trophy. Massive a so Yes, but of a douche. Oh, yeah. Very much, very much of a douche. And you know what? But, he'll, he'll be throwing his helmet because they're punting on third down. <laughs> that's, how, that's how stupid he is. He'll be throwing his helmet at the coach, June Jones. Yeah. Why are we punting on third down? It's hilarious. Yeah, read but, the rules, uh, but, pal. But I'm intrigued. I'm very intrigued to see how Johnny Menzel, and I'm, I'm actually rooting for the guy, too. You know, he has substance abuse issues. I know people who have substance abuse issues and who, have, who work to overcome those sort of things. So a lot of people don't have sympathy for him because he's a spoiled, rich kid and all that. But it doesn't mean that the guy doesn't have problems. And he's talented, uber-talented. So you'd like to be able to see him to put it all together and have a successful career uh, if he can keep his life in order. Yeah, Ryan Leaf 2.0. <laughs> no, it's very possible. All right. Uh, El Sports World Caliente, better known as Kevin Figures from the FNA podcast all over the place, uh, iHeartRadio podcast, also with the uh, Petros and Money Show on KLAC, AM 570, your home of the Doyers. All right. Thanks for uh, for chiming in. No problem. Adios. Talk Thank to you me. next Sunday. It's Super Hyper Local Sunday. Brian Suits back right after this with Have You Seen a Free Couch? That and more. KFI AM 640, more stimulating talk. Michael Chappé with the news. KFI AM 640 more stimulating talk. It is super hyper local Sunday. Brian sits in here one last time. And we hand it over to Coast to Coast. And then, of course, it's 5 a.m. wake up call with uh, Denver Jones Lee and then Bill Handel starting at 6 a.m. tomorrow. And then, uh, by the way, I'm on Kennedy tomorrow on Fox Business at 5 p.m. Uh, talking about something really amazing. And I'm sure I'll be very, very informative. That's what, uh, that's what the note says. So I, I forgot to uh, play the spot. John Chung, the uh, former uh, controller for California, the guy who told the legislature, "You shouldn't. I'm not going to get. You're not going to get paid until you balance the budget." Uh, and the one guy who's been ringing the bell about the unfunded pension plans in California, you know, the world's largest, that are unfunded by by one trillion dollars. Uh, he's uh, he's running, and he has a spot going. Uh, and and in the spot, um, that it throws up a bunch of headlines and it cites them. It says like, <clears throat> Roy, uh, Reuters news ser- service, February fourteenth, two thousand ten. Antonio Villaraigosa threatens jobs. Anyway, here here's the spot. He was called a failure, an embarrassment. As mayor, Antonio Villaraigosa drove L.A. to the brink of bankruptcy. He did. Villaraigosa's recklessness threatened jobs, the economy, and left no funding to test 7,000 rape kits, putting our safety at risk. Hey, at this point, there's a picture of a scowling Villaraigosa 
probably thinking of a word that he forgot, like cat or giraffe. And in front of him, it says 7,000 untested rape kits. First time I saw it, kind of the implication is that like he was accused of 7,000 7, rapes. But even, even he, and he's never been accused of anything. But it says June 30th, 2008, LA Times, 7,000 untested rape kits. I made a lot of mistakes. But John Chung was praised for his leadership. John helped save California from financial disaster and refused to pay legislators when they didn't balance the budget. Because John knows when we're smart with our money, we can invest in a progressive future. What are you saying? That he's good at math because he's Asian? What? Well, so anyway, you go to PolitiFact, and uh, they're calling this ad false, which breaks my heart <laughs> because I would like for all that to be true. Remember Villaraigosa had that plan that he was going to fill all the potholes in L.A. with the bodies of gangsters? And he dropped the ball on that. Um, no one ever holds his feet to the fire on that one. But when it comes to the 7,000 untested rape kits, apparently not a thing. A new TV ad in the campaign for California governor attacks Viragosa for his, quote, reckless, close quote, role in massive rape kit backlog. Is it true? The ad was paid for by the John Chung for governor thing. Blah, blah, blah. Um, <clears throat> below is a part of the ad. I just played it for you. Uh, the ad seizes on critiques of the former mayor during the height of the Great Recession when, when, when cities and states across the country slashed budgets. So lots of cities and counties were not sending rape kits up to Sacramento. Um, so the use of DNA testing to find suspected criminals gained renewed attention with last month's arrest of the Golden State Killer. Uh, so given the importance of this law enforcement tool, we wanted to know whether the TV ad accurately described Villaraigosa. So PolitiFact says... Negatory uh, that he did not, uh, he's not the reason for the backlog. Uh, the statement is not accurate. Politifact says false. Still, though, uh, its heart is in the right place when it shows Via <laughs> Ragosa um, as sort of a jackass. So there you go. This is, John Chung clearly is trying to kick the knees out of Via Ragosa and jump ahead of him uh, in, in the upcoming primary, but, but uh, so that it, it winds up being Chung Newsom. For the for the uh, uh, for the general in November, then all the Gavin Newsom dirt's going to come out. Uh, so then, because because you know that the dirt is there. So anyway, <clears throat> um, well, we haven't done it, uh, so there there might be a backlog, uh, but it might be time for Have You Seen a Free Couch? And uh, because I'm I've got Bupkis, uh, it turns out they were just throwing it out uh, where where I was, and um, the last my last isn't entry was a free thing? refrigerator. That's the same thing, though, isn't it? Yeah, they're throwing it out. It's free. Uh, but but when when it's nice, though, remember oh, yeah. if it's marked free, it means come take it before the garbage guys get here. So I don't have anything to uh, to report, nothing. Joey Murata. Uh, yeah, I did see one actually. Because you're down there in hoity-toity Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. And people are throwing out like really nice stuff. Yeah, and I was actually curious. Is it is it mandatory that there's an, that there must be a sign on there that says? It's not really. If okay. you would, if you have the means and you'd put it in your house, is that uh, a really? You know, I can add a lot yeah. more than what we got. Uh, but yeah, I got a, a nice uh, leather uh, chair, leather bound chair, I guess. Uh, and yeah, it's black and uh, available. Found it off of where was it? Uh, Gower. Okay. Yeah. So up, up by sunset. And we get, by the way, drizzles in the forecast. So if somebody, if you want to bite on that, you better get down there and get some buddies. Uh, Josh, what about Bucolic Woodland Hills, which was rocked by a series of explosions Yes, today? that I was uh, unaware of until I uh, got to work this morning. And um, I can vouch for that. Uh, uh, you've physically been here all day. So. <laughs> yes, I have. 
Um, so I did see a few couches in the West Valley on the 101 freeway, but they were on the side, thankfully. I don't know if I would uh, pick those up as people. And under the bridge on Ventura Boulevard in Woodland Hills, under the freeway bridge. Oh. So back, like, behind the fence, which I think there's uh, might be some hopeless activity there. So uh, up Maybe. to you if you want to take a risk on that first one. First come, first serve. But, uh, yeah, there is dri there are drizzles in the forecast. So if you want to bite on any of these uh, high-quality couches uh, off Gower or Woodland Hills, you better do it fast. Uh, all right, Joey Marotta produces Super Hyper Local Sunday. Josh Saylor also does the thing where he hits the buttons and uh, actually runs the show. Michael Chappelle with the news. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you back here Sunday. I'll be here Tuesday morning for Tactical Tuesday with Bill Handel, uh, and he'll be back here tomorrow at 6 a.m. KFI AM 640. More stimulating.